Welcome to episode 72 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Jordan Syed. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Jordan Syed. Jordan, amazing to have you here, man. Thank you. What's up, bro? Thanks for having me. No, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, you've been doing a lot of podcasts over the last however long. <laughs> what what have you learned? What have you learned from doing so many fitness podcasts or other types of podcasts as well? Oh man, I've learned a lot. Um, I just really enjoy it. Like I like having these kinds of con- literally. I just got off another podcast less than ninety seconds ago. Just hopped right on this one. Um, I really just enjoy having conversations with people. Um, YouTube is is fine. Instagram's fine. Making content on your own is fine, but I just like talking to other people and having a back and forth conversation. Whereas, you know, when you make an Instagram post or a YouTube video, whatever it is, it's just like, it's just you. And then you get in your own head and you're not really learning anything. There's no dialogue. It's just you. And there's a time and a place for that, but I just love conversation. So it's my favorite type of content to do. Yeah, I'm with you. And that's the reason that I started doing the podcast as well. It just feels the most natural, the most raw. It's like, even if you're doing a YouTube and you're just going to hit record on the camera, you're still going to go and edit it after in a podcast. I mean, I guess you can edit it after as well, but much less likely to do. And you don't have a script. You're not like filming it in 20 second bits and going off and like on and off. So it just comes out naturally. And that's usually the best way to, to portray whatever message you're trying to get across. A hundred percent agree. Absolutely. For people who don't know who you are by chance. Let them know just quickly who you are and, and what it is that you do. Yeah, I'm a short, bald Jewish guy who likes to lift weights and help people with their fitness. I think Amazing. that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> well, we've we've got most of those things in common, except for the Jewish part. So <laughs> okay, all right, that's good. No worries. <laughs> How tall are you? Uh, I'm like five six. Okay, all right, all right. I'm five four. So yeah. okay, respect. <laughs> we're we're close. Exactly. The short guys. Did, did you do you ever feel like? Not about your height, but just about like size in general. Like you, you trained at Westside with some big boys moving around some big, huge weights. And it's like just being five, four, five, six, hundred and fifty ish pounds. Like you're not squatting 800 pounds. That's just like not going to happen. Did, that, did, that, did you ever have those? Did you ever that ever bother you? Yeah, of course, dude, even just like height in general was a massive insecurity of mine that frankly, I still struggle with sometimes. Like one of the reasons I hate going to like big events, big social events is because like, I'm always looking up at people like always. And it's just fucking annoying. Um, when I was younger, it was a massive insecurity of mine, especially with girls, especially because you go on a dating app and like how many of the women on there say like, if you're not six feet, don't message me. Or like, it's a tremendous number of women will say something like, like if they don't have it in their bio, the first thing they'll message you is how tall are you? It's like, which I always just reply, well, how much do you weigh? And they get so mad when I ask that, <laughs> but it's like, if you're looking for one metric, I'll look for another metric. But yeah, dude, massive, massive insecurity. And I've gotten way better throughout my life. And it's, it's less of an insecurity now, but it's definitely not completely gone for sure. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. What about yeah. you? Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, I don't tend to think about it all that much, but I do notice it at times like that, you know, large social things and especially, you know, you go out, women, ladies are wearing heels and you're shorter oh, than everybody Lord. else. That's a thing. But it's not, <laughs> it's not something that, that bothers. It almost bothers me like in the gym more just because, oh. you know, for example, it's, and it's not my height. It's just like size overall. It's like, I used to work with a couple of guys very closely. Shout out to Robbie and Isaac, who are like ex-football players, 200 plus pound big, strong dudes. Right. And it's like, you know, my PRs are there like kind of warmups and it's like, well, I'll just <laughs> never get there. Right. So it's like the ego inside me. It's like, I want to outlift these guys, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah. That I'm fortunate. That's never really been a thing for me. Um, 
partly because I think I'm lucky. I'm a strong guy in general. And like, I, I was usually able to keep up with a lot of the bigger guys, even if like bench press was not my best lift. So bench press sort of sucked. No, they would be repping out 365 and I'd be like, all right, let's get to 185 again, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So like that would suck, but it never really bothered me that much for whatever reason. Like that wasn't something that I was very insecure about. Interesting. Interesting. Does that, does that competitive nature still exist inside of you where you you're trying to like, you know, when you were a competitive powerlifter, now you do jujitsu. And so you compete at that. Do you think that the main reason that you like jujitsu is, or one of the main reasons is just the competitiveness of it? I love competition. I, I absolutely, it's Mike Vacanti like makes fun of me constantly because I turn everything into a competition and even like the most innocuous things that shouldn't be a competition, like in my head, it's a competition always. So yeah, it's one of the reasons I love jujitsu. Um, it's funny. I don't know if I could really do jujitsu if I wasn't competing, like Mm. the the competitions are one of the things that make it so worth it. I don't know if I could go every single day. Like I do, if there wasn't a competition on the horizon, it's competition brings so much, not just joy for me, but with it comes more consistency, a higher level intensity to my training. Um, So yeah, competition for me is huge for sure. Were you always like that growing up? You know, I'm, I knew that question was coming. It's a great question. And I think so. I've, yeah, I've always been more competitive for sure. It just, it depends on the thing. Um, In schoolwork, I was not competitive at all. I was like, I was competitive. Actually, I was competitive to see who could do the least in school. Like I was like, Oh, you think like you, Oh, cool. Like you got a 75 on that test. I got a nine on a test once. (laughs) Like I vividly remember on a geography test of, of Africa in seventh grade, I got a nine just cause I was like, Oh, you think you're going to do bad? Check out how bad I do. Like I'm only going to get points for putting my name on this paper. Uh, like that's the, why I got nine points. I got literally everything else wrong. Um, so if it comes to athletics or business or uh, history stuff, like I I'm get competitive with it. Absolutely. But for things I don't really care about and eh, whatever, like, for example, if we were playing pickup basketball, I don't give a shit. Like I'm, I'm not a basketball player. So right. it doesn't bother me. Like I will mess up. I'll like take it not seriously, but if it's something I care about, yeah, I get very competitive with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm very similar in that sense. I don't like basketball is a perfect example. Cause I've just, you know, short guy, never been good at basketball, never <laughs> cared to be good at basketball either. And it's just like, well, whatever, like, yeah, you're better than me. Like, okay, like, cool. Like, let's yeah. go deadlift. And then we'll see. Right. Exactly. But, <laughs> so like, let's, let's play something I'm good at and then, and then we'll see. Right. So, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you that competitive thing. I've always, I always convinced myself in school that it was like about efficiency. I remember in, I think it was grade 10 or grade 11 at like midterms, I had a 25% was like my cumulative mark in biology class. And everyone, my teachers, my parents are like, what the fuck? Like, what, what, how does this, this happen? I'm like, well, I just didn't do any of the assignments and whatever, but watch this. And then for the rest of the semester, I like, you know, went hard and did all the assignments, got near perfect on all the tests, finished the class with like an 80. It's like, okay, see, see how little work I had to do to do just as good as everybody else. <laughs> Which I think that, that, that almost harmed me like academically more, more than anything, where it's like, I wasn't willing to just do the hard work all the time, which is the total opposite of, of fitness where athleticism and fitness was never something that like came easy to me. Mm. I was always not naturally athletic and stuff like that. And so I played soccer growing up. I had to work very hard to be average. And so, and so that kind of brought me, brought me through all of this. And, and that competitive nature really comes out through the, through the physical for me as well. 
that makes sense. And maybe is that where the insecurity comes from too? Like maybe with weights and stuff, like being the smaller guy in the gym, not left. Do you think that's where that insecurity might stem from? Maybe, maybe, but I almost wouldn't even like, I wouldn't even classify it as an insecurity. It's more Got of it, just okay. like, I want to be stronger than everybody. And I know that I'm, <laughs> and I know that I'm not. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Not, not everybody. Sense. Like I'm not competing and all that stuff, but you know what I mean? Like I want to be as strong as possible. I want to be the strongest guy in the room, but some rooms I'm just not going to be the strongest guy. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Makes total sense. <laughs> when you were training at, at Westside, that was like, you know, maybe one of the, let's say less forgiving training environments that, that exist in, in the world. And, and now you know, a lot of your content and a lot of your messaging is a lot more friendly for the for the everyday person. Do you still like how do you how do you mesh those things? And what did you learn? Do you think from from being in that extreme environment on one end of it and now attributing or, or teaching these things to quote unquote regular people? Yeah, man, it's a great question. I love that. Um, there's a lot that that I learned in that situation. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, Westside is literally the strongest gym in the world. Uh, Louis Simmons, who literally just passed away, treated me like a son. Um, he was in his seventies, deadlifting over 700 pounds, just, I mean, a freak of nature. And it's just, the, it's the most intense training environment you could ever imagine. It's not like a, a gym where you have a gym membership. They don't give you eucalyptus leaves when you walk in. It's like, it's in an industrial park. No one knows the address unless they invite you to the gym. Um, it's, all the like their weakest guy when I was there, their weakest guy squatted 800 pounds. So, I mean, that was the chump before I got in there. Um, and they have many people who, who squat over a thousand pounds. So it's like, they're just insane, insane yeah. strength. I think for me, there are a number of things I learned where number one is there are different learning styles for different people, right? Like some people like a more intense style of, of training and coaching and of motivation. Some people like the, you know, get angry style and other people don't. I think for me is I realized who I wanted to work with and I didn't want to work with, with high level competitive powerlifters anymore. I used to, I thought I wanted to, and I did for a while, but I realized for many reasons, it wasn't what I was interested in anymore. So I took the lessons that I learned in terms of how to get stronger, how to improve your athleticism, the, the science of strength and conditioning. Like I took all of those lessons and then applied my behavioral psychology background to the people who I actually wanted to work with. Because getting stronger is getting stronger. The science is the science, regardless of how you get motivated to do it. So I was like, cool. So I'll take what I learned from a strength and conditioning perspective, leave basically everything from a communication perspective, because that is not really <laughs> something that I wanted to, to take from there. Uh, and then and sort of mesh the best of both worlds. So I think sort of what I've done throughout my career is take the things I like, discard what I don't like. And the more, and I do that with everyone that I meet, whether it was Gary Vaynerchuk or Louis Simmons or Eric Cressy or whoever it is, everyone I meet, I'm going to take what I like and discard what I don't and then make it mine. And that's what I think I was able to do. Right. Very, very Bruce Lee of you in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Big Bruce Lee fan. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how anyone could not be. If you know anything about him, like you're going to be a fan of him, right? Yeah. A hundred percent agree. But ha having said all that, Westside being the very harsh environment and, and, you know, rightfully so it is a, it is a, a harsh sport. It is, it is a sport as well. Powerlifting is not like your everyday fitness, you know, moms and dads and regular people just trying to lose a little bit of weight. Like that's not what people go to Westside for, right? They're Correct. going there to squat a thousand pounds. Like those are not normal people. So, so fine. Do you think that in fitness now, we, in general, that we've gone a little bit too nice? We're almost mm. 
too nice about everything. And 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 one thing that I that I've spoken about before on the podcast is like this concept of you can drink beer and eat pizza and lose weight. And it's like, yes, that's true, but people are already doing that. Do we need to like use that as the way that we're selling things? And so I kind of I kind of just want to get your thoughts on like, have we gone too far in the other direction where like we're a little bit too nice to people and maybe more people do need a little bit more of a push? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think we're too soft as yeah. a society. We're too soft as coaches. We're too soft. Um, it was funny. Someone asked me my Q&A today. They were like, do you think that a coach can be um, a coach can be a good coach if they aren't in shape themselves? And um, yeah, you could, you could be a good coach. Like, absolutely. But do you want to be like, <laughs> yeah. do you want to be the coach that's good at helping other people, but you can't do it for yourself? Like, do you want to be a coach who can talk the talk, but not walk the walk? Like, is that, do you aspire to be that? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think th- that's where I think tough love really comes into play. And there's a difference between tough love and shaming because shaming clearly literature we can look in the research, it doesn't help for it. it I should clarify for about 3% of people, shaming works as a motivational tool, 3%. So for 97%, shaming is a really bad idea. And it will often have the opposite effect. It will cause them to, to shame themselves, to feel guilty, to overeat and, and go deeper, deeper, deeper into a really dark hole. So there's a difference between shaming and tough love and, and tough love is where they, there's no question that they know you care about them and you love them and you're trying to help them make changes that will better their lives and the lives of those they care about. And I think there's too much, there's such a fear of hurting people's feelings that we end up going too nice. There's such a fear of potentially offending someone that we don't actually say what they need to hear. Mm -hmm. And that's where, yeah, it's too nice. And we need to stop we need to get more comfortable saying the things that need to be said, even if it might make them feel uncomfortable, even if it might in the short term hurt their feelings. Cause I would rather in the short term hurt their feelings and actually get them to be more confident and to make the right decisions than in the short term, not hurt their feelings, but have them dig an early grave. Right. Yeah. I, very well said. I totally agree with that. And it's probably the hardest to do that with with people that we love and the people that are closest to us, family members or, or significant others or whatever, and be like, Hey, like you really need to get healthier, get your health in check, whatever the message is to them, because it's, it's hard to say that to that person. And some, and sometimes if they're too close to you, it's easy to brush it off. And so maybe it needs to come from like a third party, mm. someone online or whatever it is. But, but yeah, I mean, people are doing those things anyways, they're already unhealthy. And so like promoting this, like, Oh, it's okay to be unhealthy in, even in the example that you said, about being a coach who's out of shape. It's like, well, why do you, why do you want to be out of shape? Like, that's not, that's not a good thing. Like it's, that's, that's like, it's kind of a silly question. Like, yeah, sure. It could work, but like, why would you, why would you, there's no benefits to that. So why would you want to be like, uh, the example that my mind goes to is like, could someone be a great football coach if they can't play football at all? And I'm, I'm thinking of like Bill Belichick, right? Like yeah. I don't know. I think he played football. I don't know. Do you know? Did Bill Belichick? Did he play football? I believe football? so, but but I but I also don't know for sure. Could you imagine if like Bill Belichick was you know throwing the ball and he just didn't know how to throw a ball? Like it just <laughs> it was like flopping all over the place. He was stepping forward with the wrong foot. He just looked like he was a, a fish out of water. No clue. It's like, do you want that to be your coach? Like, there's no way you're going to trust that person. So yes. You could be, it is possible. And there are some who are great coaches and not in shape, but 
do you really want to be that person? Yeah. Not to mention, there are so many benefits to having someone to look up to who walks the walk and talks the talk, who does everything. The amount of, of clients who, who say to me like, wow, like I, I love seeing when you work out because it inspires me too. And it gives me a goal to aspire towards. Uh, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for it that you don't have to be ripped and shredded and a world-class lifter or bodybuilder or any of that, but you've got to at least be a, a walking representation of what people could get to uh, of a healthy individual. Don't, don't have to be shredded at all. I'm definitely not. You don't have to be a world-class lifter. I'm not right now, but you've got to at least be healthy and a, and a physical representation of healthy. Yeah. And I think it's, the physical representation is the big key there. It's where someone else who doesn't know anything about fitness can understand or see you and be like, oh, that person looks healthy. They look like they work out just from even a selling feature because if people aren't buying into the messaging and not even financially, but just buying into the messaging of whatever you're saying, then they're of course not going to follow it. I, I remember in first year of university, we had like a guest lecture in one of our, in one of my classes. I did a kin degree and this was other professor, older lady not looking in great shape and she was talking all about this exercise stuff and i remember snickering like to my buddy be like what is this lady now like come on like wh what are we doing here like this is ridiculous yeah fast forward a couple years uh, i took her like extra certificate course on top of my regular degree she is the smartest person like in fitness stuff that, <laughs> that i've ever met and had a relationship personally now she's not a coach she's a she's a, a professor and a researcher and all these things but like she knows all the things and so you know i took it for i i I judged her based on her appearance, uh, yep. just, you know, straight up. I definitely did, you know, young and immature and whatever, but she was still intelligent, but it was still always like the, well, why isn't she like, what's, what else is going on here? That, that is that she had can't figure it out for herself kind of thing. Right. And some people get mad. They're like, well, you can't tell if someone's healthy just by looking at them. And that's right. You cannot tell if someone's healthy just by looking at them. You cannot, but every single person on this earth judges other people by their appearance. And if you say you don't, you're a fucking liar. Yeah. Everyone does no matter what they're in any situation, you will judge them by their appearance. And, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's just a biological human fact that we do and, and take away all of like the reasons why you should want to be healthy and why you should want to, uh, to take care of your body and all of that, regardless of how good of a coach you are. The reality is people are going to be way more likely to trust you. If you look healthy period, like yeah. just without a, without a doubt. So if you want more opportunities to help people. If you want to do a better job of taking care of yourself and, it, and it, you can make your entire career. There are some people who do this. They make their entire career based around talking how you could not look a certain way and still be really good at it. Like, cool. But it, is that all you want to fucking talk about? You just want to constantly defend why you don't look a certain way or like, it's just, it's, I don't know. It doesn't seem fun to me. It doesn't seem like a good, a good use of time, like better yourself better your clients. And that's it. And again, you don't have to be shredded and you can talk, like, I talk about that all the time. Like, listen, take my shirt off. Like, I don't know, 15% body fat. Like I'm not stepping on a bodybuilding stage anytime soon, but I'm healthy and you can see it and I'm strong and you can see it. Like, and that's what matters is being able to show that and, and not just talk the talk, but also walk the walk because your clients will appreciate that. I think this is even true outside of fitness as well. Like in whatever other job someone might do, if you look healthy, people, like you said, people judge you based on everything. 
And whether your job has nothing to do with fitness, you walk into a boardroom to like deliver some speech, a presentation, whatever, whatever it is that corporate people do. And, and, and you look healthy, you look a certain way, people are more likely to listen to what you're saying. And that's not, again, like you said, not a, a knock on anyone, not anyone's fault. This is just, it is what it is. So it's like, we should all kind of aspire to just, you know, look, look healthy, at least, at least get there. Right. If for nothing else, just for yourself, because a lot of people would hear what you say and they'd be like, well, yeah, that's an issue with fat phobia. And yeah, I will say that's definitely an issue is fat. Like it is an issue, but it's also, that's, <laughs> that's what people do, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, it's uh, if I walk into a building and I'm wearing a yarmulke, people are going to judge me. They're immediately going to have thoughts based on that. If someone walks into an airport with a turban, they're immediately, people are going to have thoughts about that. It doesn't make them right. It doesn't make it a good thing, but it's a fucking fact. That's what happens. And you need to decide based on how these things happen. What am I going to do with my life? Period. You can talk all day about how it's not fair and about how society's against you. Like it, it doesn't matter because it's going to happen either way. So you need to make the decision what you're going to do. And I think more than more than important about how people are going to perceive you, how about just for yourself? Like it's important for yourself to be healthy, period. And if you have to constantly defend that, like, well, you can still be healthy, even like it's like then something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think people also run to run to extremes in everything. The same, the same way, like, you know, the hardcore, then we, we counteract it with like being ultra nice. And like, that's not, I mean, somewhere in the middle is probably, probably best where it's like, well, well, being anorexic is also not healthy. And it's like, well, yeah, correct. No, nobody <laughs> said that that's what you like, you should do instead of being obese, you should be that. It's like, no, just fall somewhere, somewhere in the middle. And I think this exactly. is exactly like, this nuance is like what we need. It's like, no, we don't need to be in these extremes all the time. We need to just, you know, find that balance. And no one, like you said, you don't need to be a bodybuilder level shredded. You don't need to squat a thousand pounds. You just need to be able to like move your body, be comfortable in your, in your skin, in your clothes, take your shirt off at the beach, all that stuff. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be any more than that. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Well said. Yeah, man. Um, another interesting thing that I think ties into all this and comes from your background as well in psychology is that I think that there are a lot of people or, or the thing that's missing from most people's fitness goals or whatever, stopping them from achieving their fitness goals is not knowledge, but it's more a psychological issue. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I couldn't. Yeah, without question. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's like, you know, no one, everyone knows that calorie deficit. Everyone's, everyone's heard it before. Maybe you don't know exactly what that means and exactly how it works, but like we generally know that like to lose weight, you need to eat, mo eat less and move a little bit more. It's obviously much more complicated than that, but like physiologically, it's not too much more complicated than that. But how do we create the conditions to, to actually, uh, to do that? That's the, that's the difficult part. I think that a lot, pe a lot of people would, would almost benefit from a psychologist more than they would a trainer. What do you think yeah. of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that I always frame it is, let's say you have 10 people, 100 people, take 100 people, right? And all of these 100 people, they want to lose weight, okay? If we go up to these 100, this 100, this group of 100 people with an apple in one hand and a donut in the other hand, and we say, which one of these foods is going to be more likely to help you lose weight? Every single one would choose the apple without question. I would, I would bet a lot of money on that. But if you go up to those same hundred people, all of them, they still want to lose weight. And you say, Hey, we've got a hundred donuts and a hundred apples. You can pick whichever one you want. The vast majority are probably going to pick the donut, like without question, even though they know which one would probably help them get closer to their goal. So for me, it's just simple. It's not knowledge. The knowledge isn't the issue. There is 
a issue or an issue with knowledge. Cause like, you know, well, there are carbs bad. When should I eat? Like there's a lot of misinformation and confusion, but they still know eat more fruits and vegetables, right? They, I should exercise. They know they should walk more, but they're not fucking doing it. Why? It's not a knowledge issue. It's a, it's a psychological, it's an action issue. Uh, and there are many potential reasons for that. Um, I do think a psychologist would be good for basically everybody. I think every, I think it should, I mean, it's, it's hard to, I'm very libertarian, like, uh, don't require, like, don't require people to do shit, but I would love it if more people were seeing a psychologist on a regular basis and they, and they took that initiative. Cause I think it would help a lot in so many areas of life, especially in weight loss. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, majority psychological, emotional, behavioral issue, not a knowledge issue. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And, and I'm also with you. I think a lot of people would benefit from a psychologist the same way that I think that like, it, it would be great if there was a way that like everyone was able to go to the gym, like somehow yeah. publicly funded. And it's like that, that sounds nice to say it, but I don't think it would work in practice. Like, first of all, that's like way too much tax dollars and second yep. like then you're forcing people to do it which causes some issues so it's like eh, and same yep. thing with the psychology it's like it sounds kind of great but it probably wouldn't work out the way that like we're we're saying it on paper kind of thing right it, it never does it i mean we could look at universal healthcare systems where like no one has to pay for it and i have you know I, do you live where, where do you live yeah I'm, I'm in toronto so we've got we've got quote unquote free healthcare. <laughs> okay. So I'm actually, cause I've spoken to a lot of people in places that have it. And one of the major issues that I've heard is that like, it takes so long in yeah. order to be seen. I had a friend, she tore her hamstring off the bone and the earliest she could get in to see a doctor was six months. Yep. That sounds, I, sounds about right. Great. Like couldn't move, couldn't do anything, had to come to the United States and to get private, uh, to, to see a private specialist, to get that fixed six months. Like she couldn't do anything. It's, it's, it's a great idea with a, a really good intent. Yeah. But unfortunately it doesn't work out how we'd like, it's, you know, like communism, it doesn't work out how we'd like it. To, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like when you say, Oh, everyone's going to have everything they need. And it's like, Oh wow. That sounds like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> but then it's like, well, hold on a second. It doesn't really end up that way. In practice doesn't work out that way. It's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you on the universal healthcare thing. I, I, I think that it's, it's a nice thing. I think we should all have access to, to healthcare, but it's just the the way that it's been laid out. And I don't know like all the details of the history of all this, but yeah. it's like government spending is like usually not the most efficient <laughs> and, the, and the things <laughs> that they spend the money on and the way that they do it. It's like, uh, like, okay, probably could have been done better if this was like, you know, for profit or privatized or yes. yeah. something. Right. And it's like, you know, who knows? I don't, I don't know the solution. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, I, this is wrong. And like, I don't know how to fix it, but I feel like there are people who, who like should know how to, how to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I'm with you 100% on all of that. I don't know. I, I don't have the solution, yeah. but I, I do. I can see where I see issues. And again, like I'm not providing a solution, but uh, it is interesting from a psychology, psych, psychological, but also a practical perspective, the things that we think would make sense versus the things that in practice do or don't make sense. And it in, in theoretically, it would be wonderful, like free gyms, every like free gym memberships, like, but in practice, Cool. So like our gym owner is just going to not be able to make money on their gyms. All their investments are gone. Like, so they don't deserve, like it's the personal trainers, are they not going to make money anymore? It's like, like doctors struggle with this, with the universal healthcare. It's like, yeah. it's, it's a big, big issue in practice. It becomes something that is way more difficult than an often 
isn't fair. It's fair for some people and it makes it unfair for other people. So it's just a constant battle. Exactly. Like even doctors here. And again, I don't know like all of the details of this, but they're capped at like the amount of money that they can make in a year. And so one complaint is like, well, my doctors always seems to be on vacation. And it's like, they're not actually on vacation. It's because they literally, they need to take days off because otherwise they would like be working more than they can get paid for. Correct. Kind of thing. And so it's like, well, that just slows everything down. And so a lot of doctors from here will, will go to the US because there's no cap and they can just make like five times more money. And it's not like our doctors are poorly paid here. They can obviously be paid more, but th- I don't think any doctors are like hurting for, for money kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things that it doesn't always doesn't always work out so perfectly. Yeah. And then people will get mad. Well, that's not fair. Like, da, da, da. it's like, well, but why should they not get paid for their time? Yeah, yeah. Like, why is yeah, it fair you that you get paid then. for your time? Like, why don't you do shit for like get capped at your job and like yeah. whatever? Like, if you don't like your job, you'll go to another job, which is what they're doing. Like, yeah. It's the exactly. same thing. What a concept. <laughs> yeah, they, and people get really, uh, it's very hypocritical in many ways. So yeah, yeah man, we're a hundred percent on the same page. I was, I was having a conversation with my brother yesterday about some similar things where it's like the, the design of our cities and towns and stuff. And this is not like a Canada problem. I think this is like a North America wide issue where it's like, our dependence on cars and and the lack of walkability is a is a de- detriment to our health overall. Mm. I used to live downtown Toronto. I live uh, you know north of the city now, so like I need to drive everywhere I go. And I notice that you know I'm pretty active and it's quote unquote easy for me to like get my steps in and all that stuff. But when I live downtown, it's way easier. And mm. even within like downtown Toronto, there's a lot of like issues with transit and getting around and stuff. Did you notice any difference in in your activity and and just your walkability and all that kind of stuff when you moved from, from New York to Dallas. Oh yeah. A ton. And I'm, I'm still in downtown, but yeah. even Dallas it is, there's no city like New York. Right. And in New York, I didn't have a car in Dallas. I have a car now. It's like, I, I have to, I literally got a fucking walking pad for my yeah. apartment so I could get more steps in. So, cause otherwise I would just be sitting down this morning. I was on an hour long phone call with Mike and I was walking around my apartment around the walking pad the entire time, just cause I, I need to get those steps in. It has to happen. And it was funny. As soon as I got off the call, my wife was like, how many steps did you get on that call? Cause she knew that's why I was doing it. Um, it's something that is so easy to overlook if you're not consciously aware of it. So yeah, I mean, when I was living in New York or when I was living in Tel Aviv in Israel, Oh God, I would get easy, easy 20 to 30,000 steps a day without trying. Cause that was just that's part of that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why when we eventually do move out of the city, uh, which we're definitely not doing in the next, you know, right now, because the housing market is fucking crazy. But uh, when we do, I want a place ideally with a big yard because I, I want to be able to get outside and like just run out in the grass and like get more steps and just have that availability because it's uh, it's really difficult. It's really difficult if you don't have, if you're not in a bu- busy, bustling city area with, you know, everything you need within walking distance. Because if if it's not within walking distance, you're going to be driving and then you're not ha- getting those steps in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And to- totally agreed on like the big yard, like where I live is is in the suburbs. So like there's a forest, like literally 30 seconds away from the house kind oh, of thing and like awesome. decently big backyard and all that stuff. And it's amazing. And w- the few years that I was living downtown, I always thought in, in 
Ontario here, like a lot of people have cottages, like a, like a lake house kind of thing. And I never understood this obsession. The people who live downtown were like obsessed with going to the cottage. And I, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's fun. Like, yeah, you stay at the lake and like drink a couple beers and like, well, it sounds fun. <laughs> but like every weekend, like you're just, it's the only thing you look forward to. And then I lived downtown for a couple of years and it's like, you know, no trees, smoke, like smell of cars and ambulances and whatever <laughs> all the time. And it's like, okay, now, <laughs> now I get it. I, I didn't live, I didn't grow up in this environment. I've always had green around me and it was like normal. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy, it's crazy how, how much it actually impacts like your, your mental health and well being and just overall oh, well being. I took, I took it for granted so much as a kid. I lived on about an acre of land and there were woods surrounding us and amazing grass. And I, I just thought that was normal. I just thought that was like, everyone has that. I took it for granted. And then, you know, when I started moving around living in cities, whether it was Boston or Israel or uh, New York or downtown Dallas, I was just like, man, like I would love to have just a big yard and a lake or whatever it is. And, and just be able to walk around just barefoot on grass. Like that's yeah. the best feeling in the world. Um, yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent. I I'm, I've been living in cities now for the better part of oh, actually over 10 years. So I'm very excited to eventually have a house where I can just go outside whenever I want. And I want a big yard. Like I, I think part of me wants like five acres, which is a lot of land. Yeah. It's also a lot of land to take care of, which I know <laughs> could be an issue, but like, I, I just want, like, I want to be able to shoot on my land. Like I want to be able to set up like a, a shooting range and do that. Like, I just, I want to have like obstacle courses. I want to have like a little, like a, like an outdoor gym. Like, I just, I think that'd be so sick. Yeah, that would be amazing. It's like your own own little community that you, that yeah. you build kind of thing. Like, I guess it's, I guess it would be a ranch, a small ranch, but kind of a ranch. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. One, one thing I just <laughs> want to highlight for the people that, that you said was that walking barefoot on the grass is one of the best feelings in the world. And something that I'm so adamant about and people who listen to my podcast and follow me will know, like I'm always barefoot, put your feet on the grass, put your feet in the sand, like wherever you live. Like, so it's not just me saying it, it's Jordan saying it too. So take your goddamn <laughs> shoes off and, and touch the, and touch the earth. It's true, man. There's a lot of research around it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's not something that I, I the research to me is like, yeah, it's, it's great. And we can read about it all day. It's again, this knowledge thing, but it's like, just go outside, take your shoes off and tell me how you feel. You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you can yeah, read yeah. about it, but you, until, you, until you do it, you'll know when you do it. Right. Yeah. That's a, you're a hundred percent right. Well said. As, as far as living in the cities and stuff, you, you mentioned like moving out, uh, you know, into a bigger, uh, bigger area. I know that you had wanted to move to Israel before, but you know, baby's on the way and, and congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, is, is that still the plan to, to move out to Israel or is Texas like, home for the foreseeable future. I was actually just talking about, to my mom about this last night. I think, um, I don't think we would move there full time at this point. Um, my wife doesn't know Hebrew and, and the reality is this, uh, I love Israel with all my heart. Like, I think it's my home. Um, it's, it's not, I, I think in North America, we take for granted how convenient things are hmm. and you can move to anywhere else in the world. And it's nowhere near as convenient as it is here. Like it is unbelievable how convenient our lives are. And, and Israel is, is uh, I mean, it's a hustling and bustling country. Like they've got everything we've got, but it's not as convenient. You could go to Europe. Like stuff is usually not as convenient as it is here. It's one of the reasons why I really encourage people to travel. Things is like going to the grocery store, getting your mail, like all this stuff, but like, it's just not as convenient. And now I'm not just thinking about myself anymore. I'm thinking about my wife and my future kids and all that. So 
just with that in mind, I don't think we'll move there full time. I would like to go there for a month here and a month there, but I, I don't think it's going to be something that we live there full time. And we love Texas. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think we all, you know, anyone who's traveled to to Europe or to Israel or to other whatever other places in the world, you realize that like, oh, we've got we've got some things here in North America that are very different than the rest of the world, and yes. and that good good or bad work, we're used to it, and and this is how we live, and so going without those things is is very it, it can be challenged. Like you know, go to like my my background is Italian and Greek, although I don't look like it, but. You know, try, try, and, try and, I never would have guessed that ever. <laughs> nobody, nobody would. But it's like you know, tr- try and go buy something at a store in Italy at two p.m. You can't yeah. because all everyone's taking a nap, and it's like, well, what do you mean they're taking a nap at two p.m.? Like that's unheard of, especially you know, come from New York City, Toronto, Boston, like a nap, like ever, let alone at two o'clock in the afternoon. They're not grinding. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you know, they're they it works for them, and they're and they're happy with it. So I I think I agree with that. I mean, it's it's one thing to to think about living there, and it's great to go on vacation here and there, but. For for your kid or, or, or children, if you'll have more children, it's th- your job lets you do that. But like whatever they want to do might not be the best for them. And I think it's one of those things where you can go there now, but your children might not be able to leave if they if they if they grow up there and you only stay there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also it's just like uh, I lived there when I was much younger and I absolutely loved it. And even when I was younger, I, I had the foresight to be like, I don't know if I'd want to raise a family here for any number of reasons. Um, there's also the idea of when you don't have something all the time, you just save it for special occasions. It means so much more to you. Mm. So when we go there for a month and then we come back, like we can appreciate that month so much more versus if it's there all the time it things that you might appreciate might actually become something that annoy you. Uh, so for example, I mean, Israel, it's, it's anyone who's been in Israel will laugh at this. There is no sense of personal space in Israel. There is none. When you go to the grocery store in North America, there's a line here. This is the start. This is the end. Like here's an orderly line. A line doesn't fucking exist in Israel. There is just a mass, just rush to get and people will cut you and it's so funny because it's very like much middle eastern culture where it's just like you just stand up for yourself and you say whatever you think there's no beating around the bush so someone cuts you in line you say get the fuck out like there is it's just like no this is where and you have to really stand up for yourself uh and you've got to like hold your ground that's just part of life there when you try and I remember, I remember this vividly, vividly. I was living in Jerusalem and I was trying to get on a public transportation bus and this like 75, 80 year old woman just elbows me out of the way to get onto the bus. I was like, I didn't know you could move that well. Never mind, elbow me out of the way to get on the bus first. Like she, she, like, I don't, it was crazy. And so when I go there for the month, it's fun. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. no personal boundaries or whatever. When I live there, I'm like, I fucking hate this. So it's yeah. it, you get all of the the positive emotions, but then by the time you're ready to leave, it's like, all right, it's it's time to go. Yeah, <laughs> that, that makes that makes so much sense. That's hilarious. I feel like that's so common everywhere else but North America. This like, yes, you know, you just do your thing. You say you say what you say what you want, say what you mean, and and get on with your day. And it's not it's not rude. It's just the way it is. People are not trying to hurt your feelings. It's just like, oh, I think your your you know your sweater looks stupid today. Like they're not <laughs> trying to hurt your feelings. They just think it looks stupid. So they're gonna tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's so funny. I don't know many other languages. Like I just I know English and I know Hebrew. But the interesting thing the thing that I learned when I was learning Hebrew 
there's so many ways in English to express yourself, like so many words that mean so many different things. In Hebrew, it's not like that. It's just, it's very blunt. It's very straightforward. And I'll never forget, like when uh, I was talking to some Israelis and they were asking me what I do. And I said, I do nutrition and training, da, da, da. Like, okay, well, clearly you're from America, your accent, blah, blah, blah. And they, they just said, well, what do you do about all the fat people? <laughs> and, and it was funny because I was sort of taken aback. This was in Hebrew, they said it. And at that point, when I was learning Hebrew, I had to translate everything from Hebrew to English in my head before I could comprehend it and then respond. And I remember being like, wow, that was sort of a, a rude way to say it. But then when I tried thinking about how else you could say it, like they don't have another way of saying it more politely. It's like, that's just how you say it. Right. And I think that I think in many ways, I love English because there's so many ways to really express how you feel, but I also don't like it because it creates this like, well, if you don't say it perfectly the way I need you to say it, then I'm going to be offended mm. by how you said it. And so I just love how they're like, they just say it, it's blunt, it's simple, and you can interpret it how you want, but like, this is the only way you can say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that comes out a lot in social media where it's like, you need to be so so careful about the specific words that you use and and it's you know gives gives power to the words that we use as well because a slight change in word can mean a very different thing or can be yes. interpreted very differently but when there's less options for interpretation like it just it means what it means and everyone's in agreement and everyone gets it but here in english not here but in english you know it, it's very it's, it has to be way more specific and it makes things harder makes messaging harder we get into arguments arguments in the comments twitter arguments and all this stuff yeah. like oh my god i just mistyped <laughs> the word like let go <laughs> <laughs> exactly or it's just like for whatever reason that word didn't come to my head and i used this word instead like yeah it wasn't offensive it was just like that's the word that came to my head yeah yeah or it's like i you know i tweeted this in like 15 seconds while i was on the toilet like i did yeah. i didn't put that much thought into it you know like let, let exactly it go. <laughs> relax yeah this this part of you because like obviously you have a huge following on across all social platforms do you do you enjoy getting into it in the comments and like kind of you know bring it on sometimes like the the sometimes. haters quote unquote do you do you like yeah. that yeah it's fun. So there are times when I will deliberately do it and I like it then, but like the example you just used, like I just wrote this on, on when I was sitting on the toilet for in 15 seconds, I didn't put much thought into it. When some of those blow up when I wasn't expecting it. And then people like think I'm deliberately trying to be mean or like, that's what I, I really struggle with mentally and emotionally. I'm like, motherfuckers, like you are completely misrepresenting what I'm saying here. Whereas other times I'll do it deliberately. And then I have fun with it. Cause I'm expecting it. Right. Um, like for example, someone asked me on my Q and A today. They're like, "What do you think of Biden's presidency?" Yeah, I saw, I saw this. Yeah, and I was just like, "I'm not even gonna say anything. I'm just gonna put this here, so all of you guys go fucking nuts." And because I know some people are gonna be mad that like I didn't give my opinion on his presidency, and other people are gonna be mad because they think I am giving an opinion just by doing <laughs> that. So like, I'll love that. I think that's great fun. But when I write something and then someone says like, "I can't believe you said that. You're fat phobic," or whatever it is, it's just like, all right enough like relax yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you think it's like is it the personal attacks that that bug you more rather than if someone's like attacking the, the word that you said if they disagree with your nutrition advice you might not care about that as much you might have it like a more cohesive cohesive discussion about what it is that's going on but if they're just like oh you're you're whatever short and ugly like okay like fuck this guy like the big so the biggest ones i've ever gotten the, the ones that have gotten me the most upset were when they attack my wife hmm. like when they go like like, you don't know her. Like, why, why is she even a part of this discussion? Like that has nothing to do with her. Like there are entire threads about her and I on random, like gossip websites 
that just blow me away that people spend their time and energy <laughs> talking shit. Like want to talk shit about me. Cool. Talk shit about me, yeah. but don't talk shit about my wife that you don't know. Like you have no idea anything about her and you're like making fun of her. Like, what are you doing? And, and the funny part about it is, or the ironic part about it is they're saying that I'm mean while they're making fun of my wife who they've never met. They don't know any of this stuff. It's like, who's being mean? Like you're literally making fun of how she talks and saying how I'm such a mean jerk on social media. Like what is wrong with you? Um, sometimes people will, will get mad at me. I never have an issue if someone has an issue with what I've said or like the, the methodology that I use. I have no problem with that. Um, I have an issue when people use ad hominem attacks or when, when people are just so fucking stupid, it's mind boggling. Like when they just say something that literally doesn't make any sense at all, I have very little patience for stupidity. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally fair enough. I, I don't know if this is something you, you've thought of, but what, if at all, when your child is born and is old enough to read and use the internet, I, I assume that you're not going to, you know, display too much about your child's life and stuff the same way you do with your personal life. Like you do, I think you do a very good job of being super open, but also not revealing a whole lot, which is, <laughs> which is, you. which is impressive. And, and I think it's a great way to do it, but are, do you worry at all about like, Oh, you know, I'm going to read, you know, your kid is going to read some stuff about mom and dad. And does that bother you at all? Or is that something um, you've been considered? I actually hadn't even considered it to be honest with you. Like now I'm like, Oh fuck. Uh, <laughs> so I literally <laughs> hadn't even thought about that. Um, I'm no, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, nothing, if anything, it will be a good opportunity based on the things that have happened so far. I don't know what is going to happen in the future, but based on things that have happened so far, it'll be a good opportunity to be like, yeah, they said mean things and like, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Like it's a good lesson where it's like, yeah, they said all this stuff and like still doing great. Like we're fine. Like they've had these things up since before you were born. And like, we're still a happy family. We're still like all this, like, it doesn't matter what they say. All that matters is what you do and like how you respond to it. So based on everything that's happened so far, I'm not worried about it. I think it would be a good learning lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And and very insightful of you as, as per usual kind of thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing, bringing things back to, to fitness just a little bit as we, as we start to, to wind down here a bit. Um, what about your fitness and just fitness in general do you think will make you a better father, better husband, better person overall? Is there aspects and things that you've learned in the gym or through your own fitness journey that translate to you becoming a better individual outside of the gym? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot. It's a wonderful question. Um, you're going to have to send me the link to this podcast once it's up so I can share it. Like, you're a hell of a host, man. Really amazing questions. Um, and I don't say that very often. So make sure you send me this link when it's up. Very but much appreciate that. I think um, one of the the major ones is that like, I usually don't want to work out. <laughs> like I'm usually not, I, I used to when I was younger and I was just so like, just so passionate about lifting. Like it was my favorite part of the day. When I finished in the gym, I would just think about when I was going to go to the gym next. Now, like I, I don't really, I mean, it's, I do it just because it's a habit and I like how it makes me feel when I'm done with it. But I know in about two hours, I'm going to have to get my workout in and I'm, I'm not excited about it. Like I would rather not do it, but I'm still going to do it. I think that's probably one of the most important lessons that I'm going to be able to relay as a, as a father, just, you know, sometimes you just got to do shit you don't want to do. And I think so much of our life is often built around 
trying to not do things like I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And trying to find ways to, to not do the things we don't want to do. And there are some positives for that as a business owner, being able to delegate maybe the areas that you're not good at, but there are some things you just can't delegate. There are some things that you just have to do no matter what and working out and eating your vegetables are two of those things. And I don't like vegetables. Like I'm not, I'm not like, Oh yeah, cool salad. But I force myself to eat them because they're good for me. So it's like, sometimes you just got to do shit you don't want to do. And I think that's a a really important lesson I'll bring to it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And and very, very true. I think, I think we'll, we all change and probably go through seasons. I'm sure there are times where you do get really excited for your workouts, like over, you know, maybe for prepping for a jujitsu competition for the month or whatever. You're like, yeah, like, let's get to the gym. Like, let's get after it. But then after that, it's like, fuck this. I'd rather just sit on the couch and watch Netflix and whatever, just chill like a normal person. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And and for jujitsu, I'm almost always excited about jujitsu, but my workouts like my, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Like it's, it's fine. And I will feel way better when I'm done and like, I'll enjoy it often while I'm doing it, but getting up to go, it sucks. Yeah. Like I would wait, I would way rather be sitting on my couch and, and whatever, watching the office than getting up to go work out. Yeah. But and I think you gotta do that, it. that honesty is just, is just so powerful that, you know, many people feel that way. For, for me, I've been I've been almost opposite in the sense that like right now at this point in my life for the last couple of years and probably for the foreseeable future, like I don't struggle to get my workouts in. I very much Love look that. forward to it. And I, and I say this very openly and I've said this on the podcast many times, like I understand that you, the listener, struggle with this. I don't. So I get it. But, you know, my struggles are not your struggles. I struggle with different things. I don't struggle to drag my ass and go to the gym. Maybe, you know, as time goes on and things change, I will. But at, at the moment, I don't. <laughs> but it's just like this this honesty. Just like, hey, this is this is the way it is. And the same for you. It's like, I understand your struggles and that you don't want to work out. and But I still do it. And and that's, I think, the, the most important part there is that you still get it done. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. Going forward over the next little while, what what gets excited or what excites you? about fitness. Like we've all seen, again, we know the calorie deficit. We've seen a million videos of how to do a Bulgarian split squad and like all of these, all of these things. Like what, what gets you excited about messaging or sending out your messages and, and kind of helping people? Oh man. Um, honestly, in terms of fitness, there's really not much that's exciting to me, to be honest. Um, said so much. (laughs) I've been posting content for over a decade now on an almost daily basis. Fitness stuff, you know, it's funny. I remember I used to get so mad when I would see someone selling bullshit online or or saying like, oh, carbs are going to make you fat. I would get really mad. And it would, that anger would drive so much content. I don't care anymore. Like it doesn't, I'm like, ah, whatever. Another, another shill and whatever it does. Ah, I'm apathetic. I'm, I don't care. Um, I do what I do now. Like I wear wigs and I do voices just because like, I'm trying to make it more fun for me. <laughs> like I'm trying, like I've said the same shit for years and I will, and I'll continue to do it, but like, it's nothing really excites me about it anymore. Cause I've already seen it and said it so many times. I think what excites me is helping people become critical thinkers. Mm. And that's why I, I love Q and A's because I can help I answer things in a way that apply to more than just fitness, but apply to life and as a whole. Um, so yeah, it, it's more about helping people learn how to think critically for themselves and don't take something at face value, whether it's about insulin 
or about politics or about relation. I don't care. Like, I just want to help other people be better thinkers, um, understand logical fallacies, understand debate tactics, understand uh, media tactics, understand propaganda, understand history. Like that stuff to me, if you can do that, then you can do anything. Like, I, like, yeah, I'll talk, I'll still, I'll, fitness is my job and that will be what I do, but it doesn't, it's not like I'm like, yeah, wake up fitness. <laughs> like, that's not what I do. Like, it's, it's just not anymore. It's just cool. This is my career and, and I'm, and I love it, but I'm not excited by it. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. And I think that the most beautiful part of that is fitness can be the, the vessel to deliver all of that, right? If fitness is something that we can all kind of like understand, if you just start, you know, going out there and talking about some history thing or some political thing that no one knows about, they're just like not going to listen. But if you talk about some fitness thing and the way someone feels, the way they look in a t-shirt, and then we relate that to how to critical think about information that you see, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, now this train is like easy to follow this thought train. It's like, oh, okay, but it's about politics. It's not about the cookie that you, you know, decide Correct. to eat or not eat. Right. So yeah, I love that. The, the theme of this whole podcast when I, when I started it a little over a year ago now is like, how can we use fitness to impact the rest of our life? And so, mm-hmm. and so I think that like becoming a critical thinker about all things using fitness as the the gateway to that is a is a phenomenal phenomenal tool yeah yeah i I agree man i think there's so many life lessons we can take from fitness um it it, i was thinking about it my relationship to fitness is similar like a relationship with a significant other where you know when you first start dating it's like super exciting and it's like oh what are they thinking about me do they still like me i can't wait to see them oh they're so hot whatever it is like it's super exciting and then you develop love for that person and the excitement often goes away but the love increases where Mm -hmm. like you love that person more than you ever have but it's not like, it's not exciting. Like or after five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years of being with someone, like it's not exciting, but it's, there's so much love. And that's where I think I am with fitness. It's like, I love it. And I love how I can impact people. And I love how people can improve themselves from what I teach them. But you know, it's, it's not exciting anymore. Right. Right. And I think it goes back to just doing the things that you should be doing as well. It's like, you know, like I mentioned, you know, you specifically have posted, you know, how, how hundreds probably videos of about a calorie deficit, what a calorie deficit is or, or what a, how to do a Bulgarian split squat. And so have other people. There are probably millions of videos on the yes. internet that say that. But I'm sure every single time you post that, you get comments and messages saying like, wow, this really helped me. This changed the way that I think about this or like this was the, the message that I need to hear. And it's like, so you know, you probably don't get fired up about like posting that thing. Cause it's like, holy fuck, who needs to hear this anymore? But, but someone does every single time. I'm sure. Dude, I put up a video the other day of a uh, shoulder press and I, and I was like, tip number one, like don't have your shoulders super out wide, make sure they're in at a 45 degree angle. Something I've said literally thousands of times and thousands, like thousands and thousands and thousands of other people have said the same thing. The most common comment was, I had never heard that before. Thank you so much. (laughs) And like things that we just take as common knowledge and things that we've said so many times, there's always someone else who doesn't know it and needs to hear it. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think just putting the scale of it as well. It's like, you've got 800 plus 800,000 plus Instagram followers, which is a lot of followers on Instagram, right? But there are 7 billion people in the world. Like that's a yeah. lot of fucking, it's a lot of fucking people. And if, even if every single one of those followers read every single one of your posts, which they don't, a whole bunch, which <laughs> they don't, of course, it's the way it goes. But it's like, there's a whole bunch of people who have never heard it before. Right. So, yeah. you know, we just got to keep, keep putting out these good messages. And so that's why, like, I love having these conversations as well. Thank you, man. Yeah, dude, I, I love these conversations and, and you're, man, you're a hell of a conversationalist. If that's a word, like 
love this is fantastic i'll go on your podcast anytime thank you man i, I very much appreciate that i want to i want to give you a chance to just shout out uh the book that you have coming up i'll, I'll put the um the link to pre-order in the in the show notes here and you know your contact information and, and uh and we'll wrap it up awesome thank you man. yeah the book is called eat it uh you could buy it on amazon anywhere if you google search eat it and my name you'll probably find it that's it when is it coming I'm out? A, I'm not a good salesman. So. No, hey, good enough. Good enough. We'll, we'll, I'll, have to, we'll have, I'll have to drag Mike on the podcast and make him do that. Oh, if you could get Mike on the podcast, that would be... I'll, you know what? I'm going to tell Mike he should go on your podcast because he does not do podcasts. <laughs> I know. I'm going to tell him to. And uh, man, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. I'm, I'm up for it. I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love that. Amazing. What? When is the book coming out? You can pre-order it now, but when is it going to be available? I believe June 7th. You can pre-order it now, but I believe it goes live June 7th. Okay, so soon. So this is, we're like May 24th right now. It'll probably be the week. The week that this episode comes out, it, the book will be available, I believe. Let's yeah. go. Awesome. Amazing, Thank man. you, brother. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to kind of leave the people with here in, in closing? I would say you. Sh- everyone listening should be super happy that they're listening to you because you're the fucking man. And I do not say this very often. Like You're an amazing host super smart, well-articulated, like be very happy that you found this podcast and you're listening to him because wow, like I'm impressed. I love it. And I, I hope I can come back on. Ah, th- thank you. Thank you so much, man. That means, that means a lot coming from you. Of, of course, as someone who I, who I've looked up to in my journey with this stuff as well. So I, I very much, very, very much appreciate that. I mean, every word of it, man. Absolutely. Thank you, bro. If you don't already follow Jordan on Instagram and everywhere else, Sciat Fitness, um, across the board, Sciat Fitness on YouTube as well. If you Google Jordan Sciat, you'll find his name. So don't worry yeah. about it too much. <laughs> but I'll put, the, I'll, put the, I'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, give this podcast a, a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, all five the places. Star. Send five it to a friend. Rating. Sorry? Five-star rating. They got a five-star. Not five just any Five-star review. Give it a five-star. Right. He, he deserves it. <laughs> Thank you. Five-star rating across the board. Uh, follow on Instagram at Daniel Yoris, all that stuff. I appreciate each and every one of you. Go outside, take your shoes off, be a good person, and we'll chat soon. <laughs>